0: Thanks for joining us. We love getting to share the message of God's grace with the entire world. If his message has impacted your life, would you share your testimony with us by emailing it to stories at graceorlando.com. We love to hear what God is up to. You can also give in support of this ministry by going to our website and clicking on the give button at graceorlando.com. Thanks again. Well, good morning. morning. How are you guys doing? Good. good. Man, we sound good today. That's awesome. I can always see how you're doing by the response, you know? It's how I know how we're doing. If I ask for it, you know, you can only expect it. Thank you very much in the back. I, um, no, I'm excited, this series is fun. We're, we're, we're talking about translucence. And in case you don't have any idea what that is, uh, it is the quality of light as it passes through something, okay? So if you think about a stained glass window, I think it's really, I don't know, it's one of the most fun ways for me to think about it. Uh, I really enjoy stained glass windows, okay? Uh, Here at this church, I love so many aspects of our church. We have no stained glass anywhere, okay? Uh, And that's okay. But uh, I love how light passes through it and you get this beautiful color, right? And you get all these colors combined and you get this picture and it's really, really cool. And so God's been sharing with me some stuff about. About transparency and vulnerability and grace and what I'm seeing is is that is that there is this translucence that us as the church should have and can have and do have it's we are the light of the world in fact and like the, the whole point is that we would shine this color this grace this this story this picture to the whole entire world so that they could be drawn and so they could see kindness they could see grace they could see the Lord they could see him so it's, it's really fun to explore this, I'm calling this a, an intersection of transparency and grace because I find it so interesting in our culture, we really struggle with these concepts, we struggle with the idea of letting anybody see things in our lives, because they might not like them, right, they might not like what they see, you know, vulnerability is where you begin to show people what is in there, right, the stuff that you really don't want people to see. You know, and then you have this thing called grace, which is this platform. It's, it's life itself. It's where we get to live in God's favor, where why should we ever, ever uh, feel like we can't be transparent in grace? And yet, if you've been around the church long enough, you've felt that, haven't you? It was funny this morning, I actually ran into somebody who was serving in some capacity here and they made the comment, they said, well, you know, uh, in other words, I don't want to let this all out as people are coming in, you know, kind of thing. And and although I get that, you know, none of us really want to walk in and shake someone's hand, they begin bawling their eyes out, that might present a a bit of an issue. Uh, I I do enjoy the idea that that is who we can be. We really can lay things down and I'm okay if you're a storyteller and you're having a rough morning just to be able to tell people, you know what, I'm not doing very good. (laughs) Good morning, welcome to Grace Church, you know. (laughs) I'm okay with that. around here what i would really love is some genuine people right not not that fake stuff where we put on the face and the mask and we pretend things are fine and things aren't fine and we're really helping nobody okay so feel free feel at ease to say i'm not doing well pastor Javen." nice to see you you know and i'm okay with that and what you're going to get is prayer <laughs> we're going to pray together you know that's how we know we need to pray so i love this conversation of transparency and i believe i fully believe it is the next great thing the church is going to see it's the next great Oh, you can call it revival if you want, you can call it whatever you want, but it's this next great thing that the church will have, is the ability to where you can invite somebody to come in those doors, you can invite people to come in, and you can really tell them you don't have to pretend at all, you can really put it all down, you don't have to be anybody but yourself, come on in and be a part of this today. Like, that's what transparency looks like, and that's why this, the Lord has led me, if you will, to this series. It started a year and a half ago. It started a while back. God began doing things in my life, began showing me things, doing things, and still doing things in my life, and I'm hoping to share maybe a piece of that with you throughout the course of this series. Matthew chapter 5 says this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. cannot be hidden nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven i love that we hear that word good works and we often only think of these big powerful works right these big moments these big healing moments these big awesome things that god does through us But how many times do we ever think about boasting in our weakness as an awesome God moment, right? Like, oh man, right now what the Lord has for me is to sit here and cry in front of this person. Like, awesome. No, none of us ever think that way, right? Like, it's the last thing we'd want to think. And yet, that's what we see is that we're not in this world to fight darkness by arguing with it and wrestling with it. We, we come into this world as light. You, by nature, by who you are in Christ, are light. And everywhere you go, you bring the light of that uh, grace into the room. You get to reveal this to every space that you enter into. And so all of us who are on this journey, it would do us well to repent, right? To, to change our minds, to change our minds about the place that we're in to change our minds about the things that God has done. And that's exactly what I want to do over these first couple of parts of this series is really just demonstrate some things that could normally bring shame to Christians, if you will. You Believe it or not, Christians can find themselves feeling condemned and a misunderstanding of Scripture will bring you to that place. And so as we, as we talk about things that are going to require us to sit with our Father and to have real discussion about, you've got to first know that you can go to him. Okay. So last week we looked at how he is the priest, he's the high priest forever, he's the scapegoat, and how he is the atoning sacrifice. Right. He fulfilled all of those things. And today we're going to look a little bit at the law. But hear this phrase today. Let me ask you something. Let me see if you can hear this phrase. God is pleased with you. Can you hear that phrase? Can you receive that phrase? Or is there a but in there somewhere? God is pleased with you, but he really would love if you'd stop doing, you know, that stuff. No, God is pleased with you. Did you know that we could never hear that phrase before Jesus and believe it? You'd never believe that. God is pleased with me. And then yet, all it took was Jesus being born into a manger. And what happened? What the angels are pronouncing. Hey, everybody, God is pleased with you. Did you know that nothing actually really changed? God hadn't like, he wasn't bipolar, switching his mind up all over the place. No, he, he, he was one mind. He, he, he loves you. He's for you. He always has been, but we couldn't hear that. We couldn't receive that. It took a whole host of angels appearing to shout it at us before we'd even consider it. <laughs> this is the state of humanity. <clears throat> we thought God hated us, and yet the Scripture and the Spirit would show us that love keeps no record of wrongs. I don't know if you're worried that someday you're going to get to heaven and like all of your sins are going to be laid out, and it's like, okay, David, it's time to get the highlight reel out, you know? But that's not going to happen because he keeps no record of wrongs. Now he's forgiven you. This is this grace that you and I can exist in. When I, when I first got saved, uh, I found my name. I don't know if you guys have ever had that experience where, like, you have a name, of course, you're given one, but there's that moment where it's like, oh, I know who I am. Like, your name suddenly means something, right? Now, <clears throat> I don't know how that works in the course of your own family, but, but in the spiritual sense, okay, I remember when I got my name. I remember when I first heard God say to me my name, and it wasn't Javen. It was child of God. He said to me, he goes, you are a child of God. And as soon as those words hit me, I can tell you it changed me. It didn't just encourage me or give me some cool information. No, it it filled me. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm a child of God. When you're walking around, you should, you should carry yourself a little differently. Like, hey, I've got the inside scoop on I don't know everything. <laughs> on all of reality, I know what it really looks like. Like, I'm a child of God. And I remember, I, 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 I loved this. I had my name, I had my passion, I had everything, and then I went into the church. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now listen, people mean well, I mean well, and I will fail you too, okay? So I'm not at all mad at the people who in some ways failed me, okay? They did the best they could. They taught what they knew. And yet, it took away my name. I lost my name, and throughout the course of all of that, I found shame again. I found condemnation again. I, I suddenly began walking around feeling things like I'm not holy enough. Have you ever thought that? You know, the Bible says you've got to be holy as he is holy. So there's a, you, to be in relationship with God, you better keep it up, you know? Well, that was me, and I I really wanted to be holy enough. You know, I wanted to be sanctified, right? The end, the goal was, you know, as I understood sanctification was that by the end of your life, you should be so holy, you look like Gandalf. Like, that is, (laughs) that's the goal, man. Like, he's riding down the hill, you know, the light's with him. It's like, dude, by the time I'm old, that's what I'm going for. No, like, (laughs) No, that's not, that's not at all what we know and believe, right? But, but that's what we were taught. Many of us were taught, like, yeah, that's the goal, man. By the end of your life, you're going to look so holy, you know? Meanwhile, you can't get more holy. <laughs> it's not possible. In fact, you're as holy now as you'll ever be. And maybe you look at yourself and you think, that's unfortunate. <laughs> but I got good news. We don't look on the outside. We look at what's been deposited within, which is what we're going to do this morning. <laughs> look, you ever wonder why? I don't know, I, I've, the past 15 years, with some humility, let me just say, I've gotten to watch as the church has changed. Not this church, but the greater church, right? Any of us who've been around for a while, you get to watch things happen. And it's amazing to me to see uh, all of the different changes that are taking place right now in our culture within the church. Um, there was a, a time frame that I remember uh, This mass exodus in the past 15 years. Do you remember that? There was an exodus from the church. Every news outlet, you know, Christian news outlet, every Christian magazine was writing about it saying, the the, the young people, they're leaving. They're getting out of the church. They're taking off, you know. And for some reason, I just kept feeling at peace about that, okay? Now, that's weird, okay? I'm a pastor. (laughs) People leaving the church shouldn't make you feel like, okay. And yet, I felt okay, and what I felt the Lord saying was, I'm going with them. Well, can I tell you here recently, I was praying, and I've shared some of this with you about what the Lord is doing in these times, that these times are bringing people to church. Maybe you are one of them that have never really considered going to church. Maybe the last time you were in church, it sounded a lot different. <laughs> this gospel is transforming the world, and it's going to start, and it's going to continue, and it's going to go on and on and on. This light that we're talking about. And so all of this, all these thoughts of people leaving, the Lord showed me. He said maybe, maybe they were spared all of the stuff. So they can come back around, hear the gospel for the first time, be lit up with it, and go share it with the world without any unlearning or having to undo things that some of us are kind of hung up on. It's incredible news, and God is doing great things. And this is what he said to me. He says, they're coming home for Christmas, okay? (laughs) They're coming home for Christmas, So I said, Lord, what does that mean? And he says, okay, let's talk about Christmas. So I want to talk about Christmas for just a moment. Last week we did New Year's. We're working backwards. It's 2020. (laughs) Last week, last year we did New Year's. This year, Let's let's talk about Christmas. All right. I don't know what things were like when you were were a kid, but when I was a kid, I was blessed to have uh, two other brothers, and we had all these presents under the tree. I'll never forget every Christmas morning being so excited. You know, your poor parents, now I understand. You know, like they're just trying to get a little bit of sleep, you know, but you're ready, you know. And so you run in there, and you're ready to rip open all of the gifts right like they're all for you really you know and so you really want to tear them all open and I can hear my mom's voice you know I can hear her say this find your name Find your name. Find your name. You know, in other words, don't tear them all open. They're not all for you, right? Javen. Mostly it was for me. <laughs> uh, find your name, you know? And so you look under the tree, you know, and you try to find the gift that has your name, okay? Now, if I were to use this little analogy as an example of what the church has been doing for hundreds of years, if you will, if not longer than that, uh, we have forgotten to find our name. We, we go to the Bible, which is a great gift. Oh, it's it's a treasure trove of gifts, if you will. But what we forget to do when we open the Bible is to find our name. We forget to make sure that whatever gift that we're about to receive is meant for us. Because you know, there are so many gifts in the Bible that aren't meant for you. I know that's weird. The Bible's meant for reproof and good for everything and all that. I, I know. I know, but do you know that not every gift is meant for you in the Bible? I'm going to show you that this morning. We're going to look and we're going to contrast the gift that was given to the Israelites in the giving of the law, okay? And that, that seems like an awesome gift. And you're going to see that the gift that we all have received in the giving of the Spirit is so much greater that you should never feel that you need to go back to the law for anything. You should never feel like, well, yeah, but Javen, it's grace and truth, right? Law. No, that's not the truth. It's simply grace and grace alone, and I'm going to show you that this morning as we talk about Christmas. Let's take a look at this crossroads. Now, if I were to draw a line on this stage, okay, and I drew a line that went this way, and this arrow that went this way went on forever that direction, and if I drew a line this way and I had this arrow go down this way forever, can I tell you, those lines would never touch, okay? They're never going to intersect. They're never going to wrap around the earth. No, they go on in a straight line. Forever, Okay, for this morning's purposes, I need you to see these things in so opposite directions. They're never going to cross over. You're never going to blend them. They're going in two different directions, okay? All right, so let's look at the giving of the gift of the law. Okay, Romans 5.17 says, It was for the transgression of the one. For by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus. How do we reign in life? Through grace. Grace is how we reign. We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't go anymore through the old way. So in the old way, the transgressions increased. And in this way, what we see is we reign through grace. Okay, our very first distinction. All right, the giving of the law. You might want to take a few notes down. There's some interesting things here. Number one, this happened 50 days after uh, the people were freed from Egypt. I love this, God makes a promise after people are free, okay? So here's people that got freed from Egypt 50 days later, here comes the giving of the law. And as God explains this to Moses, he goes, Moses, this is a very big deal. This is not just about getting blessed. It's a blessing, but it's also a curse. It's life, it's also death. Like this this is really scary stuff. He says to Moses, I set before you the blessing and the curse. Where, Listen, if you, if you follow this, he says, I will restore you. I will bring everybody back. I will bless you. I will multiply you. In other words, you'll be my people. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds like a gift. Let's read on. Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you'd like to turn to Deuteronomy, we're going to be there for a few minutes. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul so that you may live. Okay, not that you'll be a good Christian, that you'll live. Okay, this is how you live. You live from a place, if you're to live at all, that you can love God with all your heart and all your mind and everything that you have. And you know that this is what the people were going to strive to do every single day. Okay, I can do it. I can love God with all my heart and all my soul. And have you guys ever been able to do that? No. Like nobody can without God's help. Nobody can without him doing it. And so the people lived under that same feeling of failure every single day. I got to love God with all my heart. I got to do this. But what did we miss? It says that he's going to do something. God is going to circumcise your heart. There's going to, something's going to happen. To change all of this. And that he's going to cut away the flesh. Away from this heart that he's going to give you. But more on that later. Deuteronomy verse 8 says this. 30 verse 8 says, And you shall again obey the Lord and observe all of his commandments which I command you. Now imagine Moses telling the people this. Then the Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the works of your hand. And the offspring of your body. And the offspring of your cattle. And even your cattle are blessed. And the produce of the ground. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good, just as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the Lord your God and keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. I mean, this is a big deal. Even your cows get blessed. Okay, like even the plants get blessed. I will bless everything because that's who God is. We just simply have to follow the commandments. And the people said, hey, well, go ahead, list them off. Like, how hard could they be? You know, like, we got this. (laughs) See, I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. In that, here it is, I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. I mean, I want you to picture this moment. You're the people, you're standing before Moses. He's come down the mountain, his face is glowing. This should be good news, okay? And he's giving you all of these wonderful blessings. Look, all you gotta do, I'm gonna put before you life and death, all you've got to do is keep it. (laughs) Shouldn't be that hard, right? And yet we know the people would never keep it. We know that this would never be the way things would go. Verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Now imagine this. If this is how you're supposed to have a relationship with God, and look, many people still believe this today or live under this today. If this is how you are to approach God, is that you've got to be perfect in the, every single ways, all the different ways. you got to be perfect, totally perfect. You're never going to go approach God. You're never going to sit with him. You're never going to be able to hear from your dad. And the truth of the matter is, the sad part really is, is Hebrews later would come and show us this. Hebrews 10.1 says that the law was a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things. It can't make you perfect because it was a shadow. It it was a, a shadow of someone that we know is coming, that we're going to look at. Now, what's even more heartbreaking, I don't know how bad your job is. I don't know how hard your job is. But Moses had a pretty bad job, okay? (laughs) Moses gets up there. He shares all of this with them, saying, guys, I have wonderful news. Here's the good news. All we got to do is keep this list, and we get the whole thing, man. We get it all. And you turn one page over to Deuteronomy chapter 31, and this is what you read. The Lord says to Moses, behold, you're about to lie down with your fathers, and your people will arise and play harlot with the strange gods of this land. That's disappointing, okay? Like, you just gave this huge speech about life and death, and literally God, the next page, is like, now, Moses, I'm going to break it to you. You're about to die, and when you get up here, you're going to see the people are just going to go turn on all of this. Like, this is not going to work. Look at this. They're going to play harlot. Okay, they will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. We're not under an old covenant simply because we broke it the moment we got it. For when I bring them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to their fathers, notice how God continually keeps his word, and they have eaten and they are satisfied and become prosperous, then they will turn to other gods and serve them and spurn me and break my covenant. And God still did it all. He still did it all. Don't you ever wonder that? You knew this was going to happen, and you still did it. Well, maybe, just maybe, then, that what God was doing was for something for later. Maybe he was setting everything up for the grand stage when Jesus would come walking out and fulfill this thing that nobody else could do. But before we get to that, you can write these down if you want, because we're going to reflect on this in just a second. When the law was given, promises were made. You can write that down. Promises were made. There was bloodshed. It was given with a fading glory. You remember, Moses came down the mountain, his face was glowing, but the problem was is that it would, it would fade. He didn't want people to see that it faded, so he put a veil over his face. It was given with a fading glory. It caused transgressions to increase. Oh, sin has always been here, right, since the fall, but now it's against the law. Now you've broken the law, and it caused all these transgressions to increase so that Jesus could show off what he could do. It was a ministry of death in letters engraved on stones. Oh, to my friends who love the law, please hear me. It's a ministry of death. <laughs> you are in love with a ministry of death. It was meant for a purpose, and it was a gift not meant for you. A priesthood was instituted, a sacrifice and a scapegoat. We looked at that last week. The people fell under a curse. The law declared their guilt. And we didn't have the nerve to call God Father. Can you imagine that? No way. We didn't even want to go near the mountain he was on, let alone call him Dad. All right, and this might be my most favorite point of this list, is that when the law was given, 3,000 people died. Okay, if you want to know what a gift looks like, that's, that's not the best kind of gift, okay? 3,000 people died. Now, let's quickly just look at what happened when the giving of the Spirit came. This total, this moment that's going to mirror the same thing that happened with the law is a whole other moment that this is the real moment. This was what the shadow was pointing to was this moment. And watch how much more powerful this gift is. Number one, it was given 50 days again, but this time after Jesus rose from the grave. So after he was freed from death, again, that freedom thing, now there's a giving of the spirit. A brand new covenant is, is in effect. Romans six fourteen for sin shall not be master over you for you are not under law but under grace. How often do you hear somebody say that? Well, I'm really just struggling with this sin right now. I'm really just struggling with this sin right now. Hold on a minute. Maybe the problem is, is that you're looking at the law. Are you looking at the law right now? Are you trying to apply the law to your life? Don't do that. <laughs> Instead, you go sit with God and you find grace. You sit under that and you watch these issues that you're struggling with go away because he has the supply. (laughs) You won't find it anywhere else. In Hebrews, this this writer is um, trying to convince his brothers and sisters who are Jewish. He's saying, guys, look, I get it. You've been under the law so long that you can't hear this. This is sacrilegious. This is scary for some of us here to even hear the words I'm saying. Maybe you even kind of go, I don't know if that's true. Imagine what they felt when they sat there going, you're saying that all of this wasn't the thing? And he sits there and he says, in Hebrews 12, he goes, look, you've come to a new mountain. It's not the same mountain as before. Did you know the Israelites hated that mountain? (laughs) Not in the sense maybe that they didn't love God and all that, but they were terrified of it. Oh, man, when God began to show up and here comes the earthquakes and here comes the fire and the smoke and all this stuff and, and the booming voice, the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that even Moses was terrified. I mean, he was like, Dad, you sure? I mean, God, he didn't call him Dad, but God, we got to talk again. You know, it's like, <laughs> I could die today. This is a big deal. So he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, look, Christians, believers, people in 21st century America, you, you've not gone back to that mountain. That was a scary place. You've come instead, he says, to Mount Zion, a city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. We've come to a whole new place and listen to what the blood even speaks to Right? The blood under the law spoke to what? Justice. I want justice and, and pay me back. Right? That was the, kind of the idea in there for the flesh. But look at what this says, that the blood is, is better than Abel's. A- Abel's cried out for that. You know, what, you know what God's blood cries out for is true justice, restoration. His blood ca- cried out for something where it makes everything new, all things new. It's not just like getting revenge or getting making something equal or paying somebody back. No, he says, rather than just make this pay you back for what you deserve, how about I don't get to give you what you deserve at all, and I just go ahead and make all things new? <laughs> that's what God says. You've not come to the old mountain anymore. Quit going to the old mountain. Quit worshiping on that old mountain. <laughs> You're in the city of the living God. You've come through a new and living way. <laughs> You've got something that's all spirit all the time. Romans 6 says this, the law came in so that transgressions would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Remember these arrows, okay? Going this direction, you have everything from the law to sin, shame, guilt, condemnation, the earth, all that stuff is all going in one direction, and it's never going to meet up with where you are, (laughs) because you're placed over here. You're on this side with the Spirit, eternal life, no condemnation, a name above all names. We've been tied into His name. (laughs) You know that you're a child of God. That means you represent the family. Like you're going in a direction that's never going to go that way ever again. And yet what happens is as many believers stand here going, yeah, but I just don't know which way way should I go. (laughs) We get to these decisions. We get to somebody hurts our feelings. We get to somebody who says something or does something or our job, whatever it is. And we find ourselves having to make a choice. Do we continue down the path that we are in, that we are on, that will bring us constant blessing in life? Or do we sit here in paralysis and think about, well, yeah, but what about, what if I don't get what's mine? What if, but what if, but what if me? (laughs) You see, you find a lot of that on this side. Instead, Scripture says this in Hebrews 7, On the one hand, there is a setting aside of a former commandment because of its weakness and its uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there's a bringing, bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God inasmuch as it was not without an oath. You know that this path that we walk down this way was promised to Abraham. This was promised to Abraham. Remember, God met with him and said, Abraham, it's going to be by faith. It's going to be by grace, right? It's going to be nothing that you've given me, Abraham. I'm just going to bless you. <laughs> Is that cool? Yeah, sounds great. Then over here, God meets with Moses for an entirely different reason and gives Moses an entirely different gift. This wasn't our path. This isn't where we're going, and this is a a different chapter. So now that we are over here, what the Scriptures say is, is that the promise made to Abraham wasn't nulled out by what was done with Moses. That was just an entirely different thing for an entirely different reason, a Christmas gift under the tree that was not meant for you. Instead, you get the gift that's under this this place. Your name is on the gift of life. And that is what you and I get to receive. When the Spirit was given, if you made that list before, let me give you a quick list that shows you what the Spirit gives you as a counter side to that. When the Spirit was given, John 1.17 says, the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus. There were promises that were made on both sides, But this side was made with a son and a father. Did you know that the new covenant is not made with you? God's not looking for you to keep half of the deal. No, he kept the deal with his son Jesus. It was Jesus and the father. That's why the mediator, remember the fading glory before? Moses came down the mountain and the glory faded. That's because he wasn't a child of God. (laughs) He wasn't the light of the world as you are. Instead, there's no more fading glory. No, the Bible even says that the law, the glory that it had, pales so much in comparison to what you and I have that you can't even see it. (laughs) It's so bright. The light that you and I have in the light of life is so much greater than the old covenant. We don't even look at it. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw his glory. That's why it's so much more glorious. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. He defeated sin. He defeated shame. He defeated the grave. (laughs) He did it all. He did absolutely everything. Hebrews 7, Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able also to what? What? save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. How in the world have we ever believed the lie that once God saves you, that you can do something to lose it? Where did that come from? It's not in scripture. We just read that he can save you forever. You're more powerful than God? You gotta be kidding me. Sorry. <laughs> If you want out, too bad. God loves you. He's not going to let go. No, he saves you forever. Why? Because even if you have believed a lie and you think that you're someone you're not, the reality is you're on a path that can't be broken. You'll find out again someday, but you're on that path forever. Galatians 3, 13-16, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become the curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everybody who hangs on a tree." He did that so that Jesus, that through him, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we could receive the promise of the spirit through faith brothers i speak in terms of human relations even though it's only a man's covenant yet when it has been ratified no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it now the promises were spoken to abraham and to his seed he does not say and to seeds as referring to many children and to your seed that is christ so this promise was made to jesus (laughs) god wasn't going to let that go and this will stand forever. Forever and ever and ever. Yeah, but what if I sin really bad? Forever. But what if I denounce God? Forever. Forever and forever and forever. You have been changed because of what he's done. He has finished something that he started. And by his last will and testament, that which you and I call a new covenant, is what we live in. So here is his will and testament. therefore, my brothers, you were made to die to the law through the body of Christ so that you may be joined to another, to him who is raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Romans 8.2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. All right, 3,000 people died under the law. And I love this moment with Peter. He steps out onto the balcony. He begins to share the gospel. And how many people get saved? 3,000 people get saved. God showing the supremacy of what he was doing. He was saying, look, 3,000 people died here under the law. You want to live under that? No, that's not a gift for you. Under a gift for you, people come into new life. And just the same amount came back to life. I think that's awesome. Ephesians 4.7 says this, Each one of us, a grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. When you look under the tree, if I were to go back to the tree, we wrap this up, and you were to find your name, you might be tempted to go look for your name, right? Metaphorically speaking, like where's Javen under here? The truth of the matter is there's only one gift under the tree, and it's for Jesus. And the awesome thing is that we just read in Ephesians 4 is that the same gift that was given to him was given to you was given to you was given to you it was based off of what was given to Jesus this is what God gives to you is God going to take salvation away from Jesus no so he's never going to take it away from you is God going to have a day where Jesus kind of ticked him off and he's like you know what Jesus see if I help you today no like that's never going to happen and that's never going to happen to you okay <laughs> you have the gift that God gave you and this gift was so much more powerful than the law Where in Deuteronomy, if you remember, he says, I'm going to circumcise your heart, right? You've got to be able to love God with all your heart and all your mind, and and we couldn't do it. And so Jesus came, and he gave you a gift that you could do it. That through it, you would get a new heart, a new mind. That you'd have the flesh circumcised from you, and you would be able to be holy as he is holy. Let me show it to you real quick as we close in 1 John 3, 19 through 24. John says this, and I love that if there's anybody who knew the love of God, it was John. <laughs> he understood. In fact, he went ahead and gave himself a name that he was the disciple Jesus loved. You know, he, he, really, point, he really understood this about God. that God didn't come. <laughs> he didn't come because he changed his mind. He didn't come because, well, I kind of written these people off, but now I'm going to come save them. Now, his opinion towards us has never changed, not even for a second. It never will change, by the way. But we changed. And look at what John says. We will all know by this that we are of the truth. If you want to know that you're saved, or Christian, whatever you want to say. And we'll assure our heart before him and whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Do you ever just sit there sometimes and you're scared to go to God? You're scared to talk to him because, God, I don't even want to admit this to you. He saw it, like, you know, at the beginning. <laughs> he, he knows. He knows all about it, and he still chose to love you. But he knows this. Beloved, it is, if our heart does not condemn us, we have a confidence before God in whatever we ask from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. This is the commandment. It's not ten of them. One, that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. We know know by this that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. He makes this so simple for us because he knows we need it very simple. He says to be in relationship with me, You're going to have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? We teach the kids and we all dance around and sing songs, right? You're going to have to give them all, right? And if you ever think those thoughts through the flesh, what will you feel? Uh, Disappointment? Failure? Shame? Guilt? And as we talk about transparency and we talk about sitting with God and coming to him and, and letting God deal with things in your life that maybe are complicated and hard, You've got to first trust Him. You've got to first be able to have a confidence in your heart that when I go to Him, I won't be hurt. And maybe you've had a confidence in your heart before about the church or pastors or people in ministry and you've been hurt. He's not like that. It's good news. Instead, Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, God gave you a name so that you would know where home is. (laughs) God gave you a name so you would know where home is. I want to end with a story that I like the way Pastor Clark shared this 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 one time as the band. You guys can come and get ready. Uh, I love this story. The, the, The woman caught in adultery, you remember that story, you know, Jesus is sitting there at the temple. These guys, these Pharisees, they went out in the middle of the night and they, they found her. They waited for this. They were, they were waiting for her to make a mistake. And it had nothing to do with her. Yeah, he, they couldn't care less about this woman. And that was evident in all that they did. No, this was to trap Jesus. It was all just to get him, right? They just wanted to corner him in and they were using the law to do it. So they, so they, so they, they took her and they, they cast her before him onto the ground and here's all these guys standing around, all full of sin themselves, looking at this woman as if she was something special, like something different from them, right? And she's, they're calling out her sin and, and they're saying, Jesus, what about her? We found her in adultery. It was the law, right? And Jesus is down on the ground, and I don't, we all have different takes on what Jesus was writing in the ground, you know, or drawing a picture or whatever, but, but I, I do like to think he was writing the Ten Commandments, you know, I just like to think he was down there, because you know, those tablets that were given to Moses were written with God's finger as well. And so here's God's finger one more time, hitting the, hitting the pavement, and he's writing out the Ten Commandments, so he knew good and well what the Ten Commandments were. <laughs> And he's writing them down. I think what he wanted those people to see is they were picking up stones ready to cast her. They were seeing their sins on the ground. And they're going, oh, there's mine. That's awkward. (laughs) So Jesus says, I'll tell you what. Whichever one of you, he's looking at the list, you know. Whichever one of you is without sin, you go first. And he gets out of the way, you know. And one by one, they drop their stones and they walk off. And Jesus looks at her in this powerful moment and he goes, where are all your accusers? (laughs) Where'd they go? And she sits with him and gets healed. I love the way Clark shared this because this is how we can be with others. Rather than go to people with the law, rather than go to them with rights and wrongs and let me point this out to yous and you can just simply leave somebody with Jesus and you can know that that's the best place they can possibly be. Not where there's law being given, but where there's grace being poured out. Father, I pray for all of us as we sit with you. Lord, so many times we've been convinced by others in this world that we were actually thrown there by the law itself. Lord, we we feel that sometimes. Lord, I pray for anybody that's here that feels condemned. Anyone in the sound of my voice, Lord, who feels like they're beyond help or beyond hope, (laughs) that's precisely the ones you came for, Lord. That's all of us. So, Lord, I pray that you would just share that in the hearts of every person that's here, that anybody who feels far from you would feel close. Lord, that we could confess our need for you and our righteousness in you We love you. I pray that you would speak to us right now in Jesus' name.